It's Monday, May 20th. Welcome to Skim This. We're breaking down the most complex stories of the day and giving you the context on why they matter. An American, convicted of helping the Taliban almost 20 years ago, is being released from prison this week. We'll break down how the U.S. deals with citizens who join foreign conflicts against the U.S. Then, Google is breaking up with Huawei. We'll explain what that means for you. And Game of Thrones is over, finally. But they left a lot on the table. We're here to make your evening smarter. Let's skim this. Today's episode is brought to you by Prudential. Prudential is bringing financial wellness to more people. We're bringing the news to your ears. The most complicated story today is about U.S. foreign fighters, people who go overseas to fight in armed conflicts, and how that gets even more complicated when they're fighting for terrorist groups. This week, one U.S. citizen convicted of helping the Taliban in the lead-up to the 9-11 attacks is being released from a federal prison in Indiana. He's been there since 2002. This week, he's getting out. Three years early. There's been a lot of back and forth about whether the American public is ready to accept someone convicted of helping terrorists back into society. But this isn't just people catching up on an old story. This is something the U.S. is actually grappling with right now. We're going to explain who this foreign fighter was why his release is a big deal, and why it's spotlighting how the U.S. and its European allies should deal with citizens who support terrorist groups abroad. The man being released from prison this week is named John Walker Lind. He was raised in California and converted to Islam as a teenager. In the spring of 2001, he moved to Afghanistan to help the Taliban, which at the time was helping members of al-Qaeda who were planning the 9-11 attacks. Lind even met with Osama bin Laden, In November 2001, when the U.S. invaded Afghanistan, Lind was captured. The following January, he was brought to the U.S. to face trial on terrorism charges. He became known as the American Taliban. Here's the U.S. Attorney General at the time, John Ashcroft. It is extraordinary for the United States to have to charge one of its own citizens with aiding and conspiring with international terrorist groups whose agenda is to kill Americans. Lind said he wasn't trying to kill Americans, and the government eventually dropped the terrorism charges against him. But Lind did plead guilty to helping the Taliban, and he was sentenced to 20 years in prison. That was 17 years ago. He's since expressed remorse, and now he's being released early, apparently for good behavior. In Congress, members on both sides of the aisle say they're worried Lind could return to his extremist beliefs and that he could inspire more people to become terrorists. While federal prisons have systems in place to discourage criminals like drug dealers and gang members from returning to those activities, the U.S. doesn't have a national program like that for foreign fighters or extremists. And that's become a bigger issue lately for the U.S., but also for allies in Western Europe, in the fight not against the Taliban or al-Qaeda, but against ISIS. Experts say about 40,000 foreigners left their home countries to join ISIS in Iraq and Syria, Almost 5,000 of them were minors, and another 5,000 were women. Some of them were there to marry ISIS fighters. Most of those foreigners were from neighboring countries in the Middle East or from North Africa. But thousands of them came from Europe, and around 300 more are Americans. Some of those foreigners who are fighting with ISIS are being captured by Syrian rebels, and the U.S. and Europe have been struggling about what to do with them. Do you bring them home and prosecute them and also maybe try to rehabilitate them? 
Or do you leave them in detention with the Syrian rebels where they could escape or be released? France has been big on bringing foreign fighters home to face trial. So is Canada. In the UK, around 80 fighters are facing trial or being sentenced. But another 80 are in what's called the Home Office's Channel Program, part of the UK's effort to de-radicalize terrorists. But the UK has also tried something else. It's stripped British foreign fighters of their citizenship so they can avoid dealing with them altogether. The U.S. has tried this too. For example, there was the case of Hoda Muthana, a former college student from Alabama who left the U.S. in 2014 to join ISIS. Earlier this year, she and her son surrendered to coalition forces fighting ISIS, and she said that she wants to come home to the U.S., even if that means jail time. But the Trump administration is saying she's not actually an American citizen. Even though she was born in New Jersey, the U.S. says that because Muthana's father was a diplomat, She's not the U.S.'s problem. So what's the skim? Like we said, part of the problem for the U.S. is that there's no national rehab program for citizens like John Walker Lind, who've helped terrorists. Minnesota has tried creating its own rehab program. They've enrolled convicted jihadi extremists and white supremacists in a supervised release program to help them get back on track. Experts say early results look promising. And the times are changing. Earlier this year, the first American fighter for al-Qaeda after 9-11 actually wrote an op-ed in the New York Times about his experience. After being captured in Pakistan, he had a change of heart and actively helped American authorities in the fight against al-Qaeda. He ended up going to prison. But since being let out, he's turned his life around, even got a job in manufacturing. Now he hopes his story will inspire other foreign fighters and help law enforcement understand how he was radicalized in the first place. Meanwhile, the U.S. is waging a different kind of war, with China. It's over, your phones. That story's next. You're feeling super adventurous. You hit the trail without a GPS. Ten minutes in, you wish you had a map. That's how most people deal with their finances. But Prudential can help lead you down the path to financial wellness. You can start by using their financial wellness assessment tool. In just five minutes, it can give you key insights into your financial health and help you navigate your way out of the woods, whatever your money situation is, because you need to know where you stand right now so you can figure out where you're going. Prudential, here to help you plan financially for today and tomorrow. If you've got an Android, you might want to turn up the volume for this next story. Last week, President Trump effectively blacklisted the Chinese tech company Huawei. Now, Google's saying it's complying by cutting ties with the world's second-largest smartphone maker. Side note, GV, formerly Google Ventures, is a minority investor in the skim. So we've got three things you need to know about what's going on with Huawei, starting with what this breakup actually means. Huawei phones rely a lot on Google services, including the Android operating system and the Google Play App Store. With the new ban, Google says they've got to stop giving Huawei access to updates and tech support in a bunch of their products. So Android has this open source licensing project, which means that some of their code, like the latest operating system, is available for anyone who wants to access it. Huawei will still be able to use that. But a lot of Google's apps aren't included in the open source project. We're talking Gmail and Google Play. So Huawei won't get access to any updates to those products down the pipeline. And any new versions of Huawei's smartphones won't have any of Google's apps at all. No Gmail, no Google Maps, none of them. 
So this is all part of that big trade war going on between the Trump administration and China. Remember, the U.S. and China have been raising tariffs on each other's imports. Last week, Trump decided to switch up his strategy. He signed an executive order declaring a national economic emergency, which banned technology and services from foreign adversaries. He didn't explicitly name Huawei or China in the order, but companies knew how to read between the lines. And it's not just Google. Companies like Intel, Qualcomm, Xilinx, and Broadcom have also said they're going to stop selling their equipment to Huawei. So Huawei is now missing crucial hardware and software for its smartphones. Finally, you're probably wondering, how does this affect consumers? Both Google and Huawei are saying, not so much. For now. Like we said earlier, this mostly affects updates. Google says that Huawei smartphone users won't feel any changes until those start rolling in. And Huawei is saying, we've got a plan B. Apparently, they've been developing their own operating system, just in case. And they've been stockpiling computer chips in preparation for a cutoff. So they may be fine. But this could have a ripple effect. Experts say China could retaliate by making life harder for U.S. companies in China. You might have heard about billionaire Robert F. Smith and his graduation gift to the 2019 class of Morehouse College this weekend. And my family is making a grant to eliminate their student loans. That's a $40 million you made it gift. Not bad. But he wasn't the only person talking about philanthropy this weekend. The Smithsonian launched a $25 million fundraising campaign to get a permanent space for the Asian Pacific American Center in D.C., Asian Americans make up about 6% of the population right now, but they are among the fastest growing minority group in the U.S. The Smithsonian Asian Pacific American Center says they want a dedicated space to showcase how Asians have shaped U.S. history. We've got more about that history on our SKIM coverage of Asian American and Pacific Islander Heritage Month. Head on over to theskim.com news. Before we go today, we've got a fun fact coming to you from behind the scenes. Okay, so even if you don't watch Game of Thrones, you probably know that Sunday night was the series finale. It was a big one. 13.6 million people tuned in just for the live show. It's the most watched telecast in HBO history. If you weren't one of those guys, don't worry, no spoilers. We wanna talk about water bottles. Not one, but two plastic water bottles accidentally made it into the final episode. If you haven't seen the show, Westeros is more of a goblets kind of place. But it's not the only time something like this has happened. There was also the rogue Starbucks cup left next to the Mother of Dragons a couple of weeks ago. And the Kingslayer's lost hand magically grew back for some promo materials. But the gaps are just part of the story. Some fans have been less than pleased with how the show is wrapped up. So far, more than a million people have signed a petition calling for a season eight remake with different writers. So game on. And that's all for Skim This. Thanks again for listening and be sure to hit subscribe and rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to add the Skim to your morning routine, you can sign up for our free newsletter, The Daily Skim, right on our website at theskim.com. It's everything you need to know to start your day, right in your inbox. 